Masechet Gitin, Daf Lamed Tet. We're dealing today with two main questions regarding um, Evid Kena'ani uh, that we already talked, started talking about yesterday. We're continuing the conversation. One question is the fact that Evid Kena'ani has uh, two parts of his status. One is monetary. The other one is prohibition. that He cannot yet marry a, a Jew until he is freed. Uh, so the question is, if an owner makes his slave hefked, so that he no longer has monetary ownership, um, then does he also need to give a get shichurur in order to release him from the prohibition of marrying a Jew? Is he full, a full Jew? Um, does the monetary and prohibition come together, or are they separate? We're going to get to that question in a few minutes. But first, we're going to deal with the other question, which is, if someone is makdish avdo, he says, my evid here is hekdesh. Uh, so how do we parse that sentence? We can't take it literally because uh, the evid is not an animal, a kosher animal that can be sacrificed. If it was a, a lamb, unblemished, then you can uh, make makdish, and it will go on the altar. That's not going to work here. So then what does it mean? There are a few possibilities. And may, maybe what he means is, I want to makdish the value of the slave. The slave never himself becomes kadosh at all. Um, but he means that, what's the market value of the slave? A thousand dollars. Basically, he's just paying, he's just um, obligating himself to pay one thousand dollars. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that he is a, the slave is in some sense hekdesh is holy for that for that um, uh, at that time. Uh, but the Bet Hamikdash has no use for a slave. Um, they don't they, they don't employ slaves. They don't use them. If I would give I'll say wood, then the Bet Hamikdash would say, okay, thank you. We'll take your wood and we'll use it. We'll use it to burn. We'll use it to build something. So there are materials that they can actually use uh, that aren't sacrifices. But a slave is not one of them. And therefore, in this uh, view, the slave would become kadosh. But then the treasurer says, I don't have a use for the slave. We don't have slaves here. And this and the treasury would sell the slave. And then kind of like uh, uh, redeem the holiness to the money of the buyer. And that way, uh, the slave will then be a slave to someone else and the Bet HaMikdash will get the money. So that's option number two. Um, uh, another option is that maybe this is nonsense, what he says. It's just a mismatch of categories and nothing happens at all. Um, that's the third possibility. A fourth possibility, though, that we're going to start off talking about is Rabbah in the, in the name of Rav. There were two versions, two statements of in the name of Rav. Rabbah, we could just call it Rabbah's statement. Um, it says that HaMakdish, he means, Makdish Avdoi means he's why he wants his slave to be part of the holy nation, Am Kadosh. And in fact, he's freeing his slave and making him Kadosh. According to Rav, he would also have to give a get uh, so that they, he could marry, um, but that's what he means by hamaktish. Okay, so that's the possibilities, and uh, with that in mind, the following discussion should be somewhat uh, easier. Okay, so Tashima, we're starting off with a challenge to Rabba's statement, because here's a Braita that says hamaktish avdo Someone says my avid here is um, uh, is hekdesh. 
Uh, the Ivet continues to work for the master and eat of the master's food. I mean, he's a, a regular slave like he was before. And so what does the, these, what do these words mean? He means that is that he made Hekdesh the value, the market value of the slave. That's all that it means. Now this Baraita is against uh, challenges Rabbah in the name of Rav because Rabbah in the name of Rav says, Amakdish Avdo, he goes free. He means, I meets Kadosh, he's going to become a full Jew. So what are we going to do? How is Rav going to say, uh, uh, how are we going to resolve this uh, problem, this contradiction? And we answer, Hamaner to be Meir, he, I mean, we could, we could always say, you know, Rav Tanahu Palig, we did mention that yesterday, but if there's a better answer, we prefer a better answer. And so, in fact, this Badaita is Rabbi Meir, in other contexts, says that we always give a charitable reading. When someone says uh, uh, words that are a mismatch, um, uh, Rabbanan would say, well, if it's a mismatch of categories, then it's just nonsense, and we throw out the whole vow altogether. But Rabbi Meir says, no, a person doesn't make a statement, certainly not a serious vow, for nothing, so therefore we should parse it, we should understand it in the in a best possible light, that somehow it means that he is actually making something Hekdesh to the Bet HaMikdash. Um, so in other words, not what Rav says, that we interpret his words to mean that he is a holy nation. Um, that's uh, When Rabbi Meir says this, we mean that he mean, he wants to say make it Hekdesh, really Hekdesh, meaning it's going to go to the Bet HaMikdash. And there, therefore, according to this opinion, this Baraita is Rabbi Meir. Since he says Makdish Avdo, well, he can't mean that literally. So what does he mean? It means something. Rabbanan, who disagree with Rabbi Meir in other cases, in those other cases, Rabbanan would say, if a person and makes Hekdesh, something that you can't make Hekdesh, it's just nonsense and we throw it out. But Rabbi Meir says he does have to give something, and so this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir, and the not Rabbanan. Therefore, this is only an individual opinion, and uh, Rav does not need to agree with this. And in fact, it actually makes sense. We're not just saying this to uh, save a contradiction. If you read the continuation of the Braita, you'll see that this is, has to be Rabbi Meir. Um, if someone is Makdish himself, we're not talking about Adachin. That's a different category. That's a set amount for a man, a woman, a certain age, a fixed amount. But here he's saying, I am a Makdish myself. Now, a person, a Betamikdash does not take people, doesn't have human sacrifice, doesn't need the people to, to work there. It has the Kohanim already. And so what are we going to do with this statement? And the answer is, he continues to own himself. He works for himself. He feeds himself. He's a free person. He he doesn't uh, have to go show up to the Bet Hamikdash. Rather, he uh, what he did is he made Hekdesh his market value, his market value as if he were a slave. That's what the Baraita says. Now we analyze. If you say it's to be Meir, then that makes sense. Even though Hekdesh and a person doesn't uh, wrong category, we assume. That that he must mean, he doesn't say his words for nothing, he must mean that he wants to give his value. Fine. But if you say it's Rabbanan, okay, Rabbanan, we possibly could fit the, the Resha, because Avdo and Eved 
does have a market value, and so you don't have to stretch the language so much. If he says, I'm Magdish, my Ayved, he means the market value of the Ayved. Right, and so Rabbanan might might agree with that, but Rabbanan certainly would not be able to. Uh, 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 we would not be able to understand the Sefa according to Rabbanan because a free person doesn't have a market value. Uh, it doesn't. It's a mismatch in category, and so Rabbanan would certainly say that this statement is nonsense and he doesn't know anything at all. Um, it's only the Bimeir that would say Makdish Atzma. Yes, we push it and we interpret it to mean that he has to pay the value of himself. And therefore, this entire Baraita is Rabbi Meir, and Rav can, uh, uh, does not uh, can fa- say, I, I follow Rabbanan. He doesn't need to address that. Next, we're going to quote a Baraita that has two opinions. Um, and so now, neither of these opinions are going to be like Rabban, the name of Rav, that becomes a Jew. Uh, the question here is, um, the following two opinions in this Baraita, do they accord with the other two opinions that Hamakdish Avdo, um, will that be consecration of just the monetary value, or will be uh, will be consecration of the body of the Ayved, um, and such that then they would have to sell him, redeem him? That's the question. Hamakdish Avdo and Moalin Bo, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Moalin Bisaro. That's the end of the Braita. So someone says, this Ayved will be Hekdesh. Tanakama says, um, there is no misuse of property. Me'ila is if I go and take something, a holy vessel, and I use it for my own in, uh, uh, purposes. I eat cereal in it. That's me'ila. I take something that belongs to the Bet HaMikdash. So Tanakama says, if I makdish the Ayved, and then I continue to use them to work in my field, there is no me'ila. In other words, there's no kedusha taguf at all. So this would be just uh, just money. Whereas Rashbag says one commits me'ila even with the hair. If one takes the hair of the slave and you use it for I don't know whatever. Um, then that would be me'ila. In other words, even the body. We'll see in a few minutes why hair, why not just say the whole body. Um, so yes, there is kiddushat haguf even in the slave and he would have to be uh, sold. Okay, so is that so? Is that right? That is that what the essence of their machloket is about? That doesn't that make sense? That Rashbag says kadosh and Tanakama says not kadosh, and then we say v'tiz berano. That doesn't make sense. Hi mo'alin bo and mo'alin bo. Hi kadosh ve'no kadosh mi ba'ele. No, because look, it says there is there me'ila or not me'ila. If the question was is the slave holy or not, is it consecrated as holy or not, then it should have said. Um, um, uh, one opinion says holy, one opinion says not holy. doesn't say that. It says, are, do you commit me'ilah? That suggests that everyone agrees that there is holiness of the body. The only question is, um, uh, would it, if you did use it, would it commit me'ilah? Now, why not? Um, we'll explain now. Because, so rather, it must be everyone assumes, yes, in fact, it's kadosh. Right? Because otherwise, there'll be no question about me'ilah or not me'ilah. And so the, his body is, is consecrated. And the only question is, is a slave like land? A slave is like land for many halachot. Um, land does not, you do not commit me'ila to land or anything attached to the land. If I have some uh, from a fruit that's attached to a tree and I say this is Hekdesh and then I take from it, there's no me'ila there. 
Um, so do we say a slave is like land and therefore it is kadosh but there's no me'ila um, that would be tanakama or is it like movable items because a slave is a movable item and so for some, from some halachot a slave is not like land and so here we would say just like if I take a movable item a vessel of the Bet HaMikdash I commit me'ila so too if I take this um, slave and I use him for my own purposes then I would commit me'ila and that would be rashbag and so but in fact everyone agrees here that the slave himself has Kiddushah uh, of his person. Um, so, okay, so that's the, this, this interpretation. But then we challenge it. That can't be either because why would you mention his hair? Well, what's special about his hair? Just say his whole body. Why would Ashbag say his hair you commit ma'ila? If a slave is like uh, is like metartelim and movable objects. Then uh, his whole body, any part of him, would be uh, would we would commit me'ila. So that doesn't fit the words either. It doesn't fit the case of that b'raita ela. Rather, everyone agrees that, in fact, a slave is like land, and therefore you would not be commit me'ila. So everyone agrees that the slave is kadosh, and it is like land, and so that if I consecrate the Ayved, and then I use him his, to, his, for his work, or, or any any part of his body, then that would not be me'ila, um, because he is like land. So rather, what is the machloket regarding hair? If you would give him a haircut and take the hair, and now the hair is no longer part of his body, that's certainly metaltalin, but I can't, I wouldn't be able to use it. The machloket is hair that's still attached to him, but it grew very long and it needs a haircut. And so it's about to be, uh, needs to be, about to be uh, cut off. Is that considered like it's already cut off, even though it's still attached? It's like so long and, and, uh, um, and, uh, is going to be cut off any moment and so it's like it's already cut off and therefore you would commit meila that would be rashbag because it's metatalin and Tanakama says no if as long as it's attached it's not cut off and therefore uh it's like part of the body and as part of it and a, and uh, a body of a slave is like karka and you do not have uh meila for the for, for the body of a slave and that's, Tana, that's the opinion of Tanakama. okay so now we explain that but um, now, um, now that we mention this topic, this is more of a tangent, uh, the topic of something that's about to be cut, is it like it's already cut? Now we're going to bring yet another Mishnah that has two opinions about that, and we're going to try to match them up with the two opinions that we just mentioned. So, those two Tanaim, they seem to line up with the following two Tanaim in the Mishnah Shavuot. Shavuot says there are some things that are like land in one sense, but not like land in another sense. Hachamim disagreed with the Bimeir. What's the case? Kesad. One, a farm owner, he um, uh, hires a watchman and uh, he claims, the farm owner says, I told you to watch these 10 grapevines full of grapes. And the watchman said, no, you only hired me to watch five of them. And so now they come to court and they have a dispute. This is a case of modeh b'miksat. Um, if someone comes and claims, oh, you owe me 100, I say, no, I only owe you 50. So because I admitted to part of it, I have to make a vow uh, in order not to pay the rest. Right? By uh, uh, admitting to part of it, it's somewhat verifying that 
some of the claim is true, and so I have to take a vow. And so here, um, so here the question is, would you have to take a vow or not? This shivuah for modeb miksat applies to a metaltelin, money. Does not apply to land. So what do we do here? It says, um, even though it is karka, because these grapes are, grapevines are attached to the ground, nevertheless, it's similar to movables in that it requires a shavua for modeb miksat. Chachamim disagree and they say, no, it's if, it's attached, if it's attached to the ground, then it's the same as the ground itself. The ground itself would be like, uh, you say, I owe you a whole field. I say, no, only half a field, right? So there would there would be no shivuah, and so this is uh, so this is the question. Now um, the Gemara on that Mishnah explains the essence of their machloket. That machloket in this Mishnah is talking about grapes that are ready; they're ripe and they're about to be harvested. Any day now, we're going to come harvest them. And Rabbi says, since they're ready, it's as if they're already harvested. So that matches up with the opinion before of Rashbag, who said that hair of a slave that's long and is about to be cut is like it's already cut, and therefore there is me'ila. And Rabbanan over here would match up with Rabbanan because they say even though it's ready, it's ripe, and the grapes are ready to be cut, they're not, they're still attached to the ground, therefore they're like the ground, and that would match up with Rabbanan in the previous Baraita that say the hair that's not cut is like part of his body, and therefore is like karka. So it seems like this would match up nicely, but the Gemara says, no, not necessarily. Really, to be Meir can agree with all the opinions in that other Braita. Adkan hatam navim. To be Meir says only regarding grapes that if it's ready, if it's ripe, it's like it's already cut. Because if you leave them longer, they actually will be worse. They'll become withered. And so it's not getting any more nutrients. What's the grape is ripe? It's not getting any more nutrients from the ground. In fact, that's it. Stopped. It's like it's already detached and it's going to start, start withering away and turn into raisins. Um, so therefore, it's like it's already detached. It's, there, it's not receiving any benefit. But hair, as long as it remains attached to someone's head, it actually gets better and better, right? Some people will grow their hair for years and uh, it looks nice. Uh, so uh, there's no, it doesn't, so it's therefore, it still has a status of attached. It might agree that grapes that are ripe are considered done, but hair that is long is considered attached. Good. Okay, now we're going to get back to that uh, statement of Rav, the version of the Rav that said, Hamafkir, right? Someone who says, my slave is Hefker, then the slave goes free, but still requires get. Okay, um, now, so to be Chiyah Bar Yosef, he went from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, and he repeated the following statement of Rav in front of Rabbi Yochanan. Amar um, Amar Rav Hachi, Rabbi Yochanan said, really, did Rav actually say that? Uh, that if you uh, um, make make your slave Hefker, then he, he goes free monetarily, but you still have to give him a get? 
And so Rabbi Yochanan had uh, expressed surprise about this. Now, uh, we wonder, wait, why is Rabbi Yochanan surprised? Rabbi Yochanan said the same thing. Rabbi Yochanan also said that if you make your slave have get, he goes free, but you still have to give him a get so that he can get remarried. It doesn't remove the prohibition of a slave to marry a Jewish, a Jewish person, a, a full a Jewish person. So why is Rabbi Yochanan surprised? Oh, no, it means the opposite. Not that he was surprised that I've said that like in a negative way, in a positive way. Oh, Rav said like me, I'm so happy that I have the same opinion um, and, and now I have support from Rav. Rav, in fact, was a bit older than Rabbi Yochanan, the both very early Amoraim, Rav in Bavel, Rabbi Yochanan, the most important uh, Amora in the early Eretz Yisrael. And so he's saying, Baruch Shekivan. Okay, this whole uh, sugya is interesting. We hear uh, more cases of sages from Eretz Yisrael going to Bavel and, and uh, bringing traditions. But if anyone, whoever comes, has to go too. And so they're also bringing traditions the other way. And this is interesting because, you know, it seems like Rabbi Yochanan didn't know everything that Rav said. They're in different countries. So he got uh, pieces here and there whenever someone came. But we can't assume that Tanaim from, uh, from one country knew everything from the other country. And so here he said the same thing and he was so happy that he heard that. That's all one version of this conversation. The other version, in the other version, Rabbi um, Chia did not actually quote Rav fully. He only quoted the first half of Rav's statement that um, he did not quote the second half So when Rabbi Chia told Rabbi Yochan, I heard from Rav that if you make your slave free, then he goes free monetary. I mean, if, if you uh, make him hefker, he goes free. Um, uh, and Rabbi Yochanan responded to that because he left off the last part. Rabbi Yochanan assumed that Rav was saying he's totally free and he can even marry a Jew. Um, so Rav, uh, so Rabbi Yochanan said, and did not Rav not say that he needs a get shichurur? Right. So that's why he was so. Actually, he was surprised, and he uh, he thought they were in disagreement. Uh, but Rabbi Yochanan and that makes sense because Rabbi Yochanan followed his own opinion that was quoted elsewhere. Rabbi Yochanan says, if you make your slave hefker, he goes free monetarily, but you still have to give him a get shichurur, and that's why he was actually uh, dismayed and said, what Rav doesn't agree that you need to get shichurur. Now, in fact, Rav did say that. But the report that Rabbi Yochanan um, received was not full. This is also important methodologically that sometimes when a tradition goes from one country to another, uh, it could be passed on only partially and then has to be uh, analyzed and explained when it gets to the other country. Now, we're going to analyze this statement further since we uh, quoted it from the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Gufa, amar ula, amar Rabbi Yochanan. Hamafkir avdo get shichurur. Okay, so you make your um, a slave hefker, uh, he goes free, but he still needs to get shichurur. Challenge. We have a challenge from this Baraita. 
um, uh, 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 Abba challenges Ula. Ula is the one that said the name of Biochanan. So Rabbi Abba brings this Beraita against. And the Beraita says that a convert died. Now a convert, if he has no children of his own as a Jew, so now he has no relatives, he has no legal, halachic legal relatives to inherit him. But now, the, but this Ged, he owned uh, slaves. So what happens to them? So uh, Ged that died, and then other Jews came, and bizbizu, it's a negative word, they just, everybody grabbed his stuff um, because that's if kid he dies there's no one no, no one to inherit they grab his stuff and there were also slaves there so what, what about the slaves what happens to them uh, according to Tanakama the slaves adults or minors they acquire themselves right that's it there's no owner the owner died so they become Hefker and as soon as they just you know uh, walk and you know uh, 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 move themselves they acquire themselves just by being um, and so now that's it now they're free uh, however Abba Shaul says yeah, it works for the adults because an adult has um, a mind and a, an adult can acquire things. He can buy things, he can trade, he can, he can acquire himself. But a minor does not have the enough uh, a mental capacity to acquire things and do business deals. And so the minor cannot acquire himself. And therefore, you have this minor slave walking around. Anyone who comes in grabs him and says, oh, this is going to be my slave, uh, Zacha. He, he, uh, he, 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 he takes that slave. Now we see according to both opinions, either for adults only, for Basha'ol, or adults and kids, for Tanakama, uh, for whoever it is, they um, are monetarily free, right, because the Geda died, and so there's no one to inherit. And now, since they go free, doesn't that mean that they're free totally and then they can go marry anyone they want? They can marry a Jew? But no one wrote a Get Shichrur. Um, so this is a challenge to the Biochanan because he says, if Ebed becomes Hefker, he gets himself monetarily, but he still can't get married until he gets a Get Shichrur. But in this case, according to both opinions, uh, this uh, slave, either adult or kids too, can acquire themselves monetarily, but no one gave them a get, and yet they are totally free. Okay, a good uh, insult line. Um, this was uh, this uh, tradition was said by. Ula and Rabbi Abba challenged Ula from this <coughs> Baraita, and Ula says, This sage, meaning Rabbi Abba, he says he sounds like someone who never studied any uh, any traditions, right? He sounds like an unlearned person. That's what a terrible that's what a bad question is. The answer is so easy. Right? What why? Amar Rav Nachman Kasabar Ula Avdo Deger Ki Ishto. Ma ishto mishtalecha beloget af af abadab mishtalechim beloget. The reason is that uh Rav Nachman explains uh, Ula's reasoning that according to Ula, um the in, uh, someone's slave is like his wife. Okay, don't take that similarity too literally. He just means in the following sense, just like when someone who's married um, uh, uh, is married and then he dies, she goes free without a get, right? Uh, a man dies, he, she doesn't need a get. She, death is the end of marriage. Totally, she can go marry anybody she wants. So too, for someone's slaves, if the person dies, then the slaves go free and they don't need to get, they get, they're totally free. That's what Ula thinks. And that's why Ula said, this is a case of Ger Shemet. This, this convert died and there's no one to inherit. And so they get, they go free totally 
the same same as for marriage that's the sense in which a slave is similar to a wife both go free totally with death and don't require a document of divorce and now we say we challenge wait a second if that's true then even for a jew who owns a slave meaning not a not a convert but a regular jew who does have inheritors uh, because every jew has you know has either if he doesn't have children he has uncles he has you know someone uh, in the brothers, he has uh, to, to inherit. Uh, so um, a Jew also, that should be the same case then. If a Jew dies, his slave should all go free. But that's not that's not what happens when a person dies who owns uh, Evid Kanani. They are inherited by that person's inher- heirs. Uh, so why don't you say, if you're really uh, saying that's the same as a wife, a wife, when someone dies, a wife goes free. But a regular Jew dies, the slaves do not go free. So how could you compare them? And so the answer is that no, for the pasuk has a special pasuk regarding slaves that says, you make them inheritance for your children after you to hold as a possession. Therefore, if someone has heirs, uh, um, then the slave does not go free with his death. They become the property of the inheritors. However, if a person does not have inheritors like this get and he dies, then it's equivalent to a, ma- a husband dying. In both cases, the slave, just like the wife, is free to marry anyone they want. And uh, that's uh, that's Ula's position. And so, uh, yes, Ula would say um, that according to Biyachadan, if someone makes his slave hefker, then he needs to get shikhrur because the person is still alive, the owner is still alive. Um, so they get, uh, the, so it does not go free. Just like if a husband is alive, he has to give his wife a get for her to get remarried. An owner has to, uh, who's alive has to give his slave a get in order to get for him to marry a Jew. Um, but if the uh, owner dies, and there's no heirs, then the slave goes free totally and can marry anyone they want. Good. Um, uh, now we ask, Okay, but what about this case? Someone frees, uh, uh, renounces ownership of his slave monetarily and then dies. Well, that should be the set. That should be equivalent, right? That should be okay. He should be allowed to marry. The slave, the slave should be allowed to marry out because he got he got ifked. At that point of ifked, the slave still is bound uh, in, a, in terms of his prohibition. But once the owner dies, then it should be like a husband dying, and his wife can remarry. That's what you just said. So here too, this slave should be, should remarry. However, Amemad did not did not say that. Amemad, he's just he's only an Amora. Uh, so you know he can Ola uh, can disagree with him. Uh, but we're just pointing out that according to Amemad, uh, this logic does not fit because he says that someone renounces ownership of his slave and then he dies, that slave is going to have a problem. He'll be free monetarily, but he will not be able to marry a Jew, a free, uh, a full Jew, um, because he, uh, he he needs a get shichrur, um, and his owner, he, he's, uh, his owner died. So he's, on the one hand, not a slave. He's not owned by anyone. So that's a good thing, but it's actually also a bad thing because since he has no owner, there is no one who can give him a get shikhrur so that he can be free from the prohibition against marrying a Jew. He is stuck like that forever. That was a Memah's position. 
And so um, we answered, Amemad Kashia, right, you're right. Um, uh, the Ula uh, would not be consistent with Amemad. Ula uh, would disagree with Amemad, and Ula would say, um, even though when the owner became made made the slave hefked, uh, he still wasn't able to marry. Once the owner dies, then that's it, right? Um, that it becomes totally free, just like when a husband dies, the wife can go and remarry. Okay, good. That was the uh, end of that set, that part of the discussion. Now, who is Halakha? Who does Halakha follow? Amarabi Yaakov Baridi, Amarabi Yoshua Ben Levi. So remember these names. Rabbi Yaakov Baridi says in the name of Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi, an earlier Amora, Halakha Ke'aba Sha'ul, Halakha follows Abba Sha'ul, that when a slave, uh, when, a, when a servant, uh, uh, when a ged rather, dies, then the, the adults, the adult slaves, can acquire themselves and they go free totally but the children do not all right anyone can go and grab the children and uh, keep them as a slave like they would for other property of the ger so the halakha is like a bashaul heard that the statement of yaakov and challenged him and asked him uh, did you hear the Levi say this explicitly did he say actually i think halakha is like a Shaul, or are you inferring it from something else this is a very interesting question. It comes up uh, many times um, because it means that sometimes when an Amorah says a statement, uh, quoting someone else, um, sometimes they hear it directly, but sometimes they might infer a st- uh, their position from a story that happened or from something else that they said, and they make an inference and then they quote the earlier sage as if the early, earlier sage says those exact words, but it's not an exact quote. Um, uh, it's like if I see a certain uh, rabbi stand up, you know, and uh, for uh, uh, for modim, and so I say, oh, he says you have to stand up for modim. Well, I didn't actually; he, I never have heard him say that. I only saw him do it, right? But then, if it's true, if it's only from an inference, then you always wonder: maybe I inferred wrong. Maybe he didn't stand up because he says you have to stand up. Maybe he stood up because uh, uh, he wanted to get something. Um, so this is uh, this is very interesting. All right, so let's analyze here. The uh, uh, Azera is asking, um, did you hear this directly or not? So now before we get the, na- the answer, we want to say, what is this kilal? What is the generality that he might have heard and derived it from? How might he have derived it? And if so, what might have been the mistake from that derivation? My kilala, so now we're quoting something else that Rabbi Yosho ben Levi said. The people, the, the students asked Rabbi if an owner says, I despair of getting my slave. My slave was uh, captured, uh, he's lost, um, I don't think I'm ever going to get him back. So now that's like Hefker. So what's the status of the slave? And Rabbi said, That slave is going to have a problem. He will not be able to remarry unless he gets a shtad get shichirur. Because the owner only renounced him monetarily. Same as Hefker. But still cannot get remarried. That's what Rabbi said. And Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi is quoting this, which sounds like he agrees. Now, further about that, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, my Tamad Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan explained the, the reasoning. Gamad lah lah meisha, meisha bishtar af eved nami bishtar. The reasoning of Rabbi is because we're going to make a gezerah shava vechatab la sefer kiritut. It says regarding a woman, and also says the word la. We're going to quote the pasuk in a few minutes regarding uh, shivcha. 
uh, or Evid. And so we're comparing them just like a, a wife goes free with a document. So too, a slave has to go free with a document and it's not sufficient to renounce ownership. Here, they, they will gain their freedom and monetarily, but they still will not be able to marry um, anybody else. Uh, they won't be able to marry a Jew until they get uh, a shtad. Um, so that's the that's the tradition you heard, right? It must. He's, this is all um, again the Rebbe Zerah challenging Rebbe Yaakov, right? Did you hear that? And then maybe based on that, you made the following inference: Vekadayak mina. Your deduction might have been as follows: Just like uh, the, for a wife, when his when her husband dies, then she uh, her husband her the, the prohibition for her to marry anybody else is released. But it's not a monetary bond. A husband doesn't own his wife. There was no monetary bond to begin with. And so in that case, uh, for a woman, when the when the husband dies, then the prohibition leaves uh, is uh, goes away. So maybe. For Ebed, it's the same thing that when the master dies, the prohibition part of it goes away, but not the monetary part of it. The death of the owner does not affect the ownership of the slave. The slave is still under uh, under monetary subservience. If so, well, that would make a difference for it to be. Uh, that would explain it to be about why he distinguishes between an adult and a child. For an adult, the adult has, has the ability to acquire things, to do business. So therefore, when the master dies, the, we, have, we took care of both parts. He acquires himself um, because he's an adult. And because the master dies, now there is no prohibition. So he is totally free. However, for a child, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, child, the death of the master can only affect an isur, uh, just, like for a, um, just like for a wife, but it cannot affect his monetary status. And so, because he cannot acquire himself, someone else can still come and acquire him. And so, uh, the, it could be that, here's what it is that I was saying, Rabbi uh, Yaakov, did you hear this comparison of the, right, the opinion of Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, according to B, and the explanation of Rabbi Yochanan explaining la la, and did you make this deduction and therefore conclude that um, it is in fact according to the halacha of the Rabbi Yosheba ben Levi follows uh, um, Abba Shaul? Did you say that? Um, so now, now we wonder, wait a second, and if I either Rabbi Yaakov is saying this or we're saying it for him, if it is from a derivation, from a derivation, so what? Isn't that a good derivation? So we say, no, it would not be. Because if it's if 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 it's only derived from this other statement, then I could actually give you the opposite argument. A wife goes free whether she's an adult or a child, even a child who's married and the husband dies, she goes free. So too a slave um, should be able to go free whether there you are an adult or a child. In other words, I, I know you made a comparison here between la la, uh, between a wife and a slave, but you made the comparison in one sense, I could give a, a, a comparison in another sense that a wife goes free whether an adult or a child, and therefore a slave should also go free with the death of, of, death of the master when there's no heirs, um, adult or child, and therefore halacha would be like Tanakama, not like Abba Shaul. And the final, finally, Rabbi Yaakov uh, says, Actually, I did hear this explicitly. Rabbi ben Avi says, I think that halacha is like Abba Shaul. So this was a fun exercise to 
to see, would we be able to derive Rabbi Yosheb ben Levi's opinion from something else he said? And we said, actually, no, because that other source would be ambiguous. Um, so now it's good and important that we know that Rabbi Yosheb ben Levi said it explicitly. Okay, we're going to go through a very similar parallel exercise that we just did. But now, based on a different statement. Um, okay, we're leaving off Rabbi Yosheb and Levi. We're still going to quote him, but now we're focusing on Rabbi Yochanan, who was also quoted in that, in that explanation. He's the one that said, La, la. So now, Rabbi Chiyabaraba, another Amora, quotes Rabbi Yochanan, saying the opposite. So the following discussion is going to be the mirror image, opposite of what we just said. And he says, the halacha is not like Abba Shaul, a ger that dies without heirs. The um, adults and children both can acquire their own freedom. Rabbi Zerah still the same, same Amora, challenging, and says, Did you hear that explicitly from Rabbi Yochanan, or did you infer it from somewhere else? Okay, before we get the answer, let's see, where else may have he inferred it from? Maikelala. Uh, Same as we had before, Rabbi Yosheb Levi quotes uh, sages asking Rabbi Nasi, if someone says, my slave, he, he uh, was captured or got lost, and I uh, renounce, so I, 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 I uh, despair, and therefore renounce ownership, like Hifker, uh, what is the status? And he said, uh, this is this is a problem. They still a slave can still not get still cannot get remarried until the owner gives a shtar gerushin, a star a shtar shichrur. Okay, so in other words, going to be separate between the monetary status and the prohibition status of the slave. says, what's his source? We learn it from a wife, just like a wife cannot marry anyone else unless she gets a get. So too, an evid cannot marry um, a Jew until he gets a get as well. That's the that's the tradition. And so here's the question: You, Rabbi is asking Rabbi Chaya, did you hear that tradition? And you maybe you made the following inference. Inference. Maybe so. Just like a wife goes free um, with uh, the uh, with a get, uh, whether she is an adult or a child, right? With a get, um, so too an eved goes free with uh, whether um, an adult or a child, and therefore halacha would be like tanakama. I think I said in the earlier version when the husband dies, which is also true. When a husband dies, the wife goes free, whether an adult or a child. But uh, the, the the case here, the relevant case here is when he gives a get, he goes, she goes free, whether an adult or a child. So isn't that the same? Um, and therefore, halacha must be not like Abba Shaul. Um, so maybe you would make that inference. But now we ask, And what if it is from an inference? So what? No, if it's from an inference, here it doesn't say in this version. So that's why it's more likely that the Yamara is doing this exercise on behalf of these Amoraim. And he says, if you learned it from a, uh, a, a derivation, then I could actually argue the opposite. We're just switching around the the comparison. And uh, no, I, I, may, I can make a comparison as follows. Just like for a woman, it only affects her prohibited status, but not her monetary status. There is no monetary status. Uh, husband does not own his wife. And so to an Eved, I might think that 
when the ger um, uh, dies, that will affect only the, um, the, the, the prohibited status of the Evid, but not the monetary status. And therefore, only an adult who can acquire his own monetary status um, will, be, go, will go free, but a, a, um, a minor who cannot acquire his own monetary status will not go free. And therefore, halachal be like Abba Shaul. And so, uh, so you see, this uh, derivation would be ambiguous. And so Rabbi Chia says, oh, actually, I heard explicitly from Rabbi Yochanan that he says halacha is not like Abba Shaul. But it's important that we know that he heard it explicitly because you would not be able to derive it just from Rabbi Yochanan's statement here and explaining it to be because this comparison between um, a wife and a, and a slave actually would be ambiguous. In the final section of the daf, we're going to quote two statements of Rabbi Yudanasi that we already saw, but look like they're in contradiction to each other. Amad mod, amad lehem, omed ani en lo takana ela bishtar. The first statement is Rabbi Yudanasi was asked about a master who has yeush over a slave and so relinquishes ownership. And so now he acquires his monetary freedom. Uh, but what about the prohibition status? And to be said, uh, sorry, there's no no, no help. Uh, he, he cannot marry unless the master also gives him a shtad. So according to this statement of the B, we do separate the monetary status and the prohibition status. And uh, he needs a get. Um, any uh, slave would need a get in order to get to be able to marry a Jew. However, to be in a different Baraita said about a different case of someone who's Makdish all of his property to the Bet Mikdash. In that case, including slaves, the treasurer will sell off the slave and uh, to someone else. Um, uh, or the slave, according to the B, can actually acquire his own freedom, right? He can give the payment for himself because it's as if the temple treasury is selling the slave to himself. And from there, it sounds like he is totally free just with money and doesn't need to get um, be, uh, um, and that yeah, that's all he needs. So it sounds like you can uh, monetary freedom is the same as a full full freedom. In this statement, that contradicts the first statement where monetary freedom is not full freedom. You still need a get. Hachika Amar here's the answer. O bekesef o bishtar kaspe. kaspe. The in fact it be it be says. Um, a slave can go free in two ways, fully free, either with kesef or a shtar. Shtar, get shichirud uh, um, uh, for sure. And kesef also, if he um, either sells him to himself like here or makes him hefker, says that's it, you get, you're, I release you, right? That's fine. That is a way that he can acquire his own freedom, um, right? For sure, if he pays for himself. That's, uh, that's the case here. He's acquiring himself and then he would be free to marry as well. The problem in the case where the owner despaired of finding him anymore is that he didn't actively, he did not actively free monetarily his slave. It was only passively. He said, since the slave already um, is captive or got lost, you know what? I'm never going to find him. So I relinquish, um, I have Yeush. I, I relinquish the, uh, since I, I don't think I'm going to find him, so now I relinquish my ownership over him. Um, but it's only done, you know, passively since he's not around. But it's no active act of actually um, uh, uh, giving money 
or or the uh, or, or receiving money uh, f- uh, on behalf of the slave uh, from the slave or from anybody else uh, that would be an active monetary abrogation, uh, um, active monetary release. Um, so that's the that's the, explains the difference. In fact, according to the B, you could you can free your slave by with money or with a shtad, but it has to be actually with money with an active uh, um, act to uh, release him and not only passive him, passively having Yeush. Oh, good. Um, now the B, the Biudanasi, who says yes, you can use shtad or money, and they can come together. Money can release them also from the prohibition. That disagrees with a different Tana. This is Bishimon Bar Yochai, student of the Biakiva, who says Rabbi Shimon says, can it be that a slave can acquire his full freedom with money the same as he can with a with a shtad, a shtad shichrur? No, he cannot because the pasuk says, hofte lo nifdata. Let's look at the pasuk in the context. Um, uh, this is talking about we have a Shifcha um, Kenanit who is designated to a certain man. Uh, and now someone else comes and uh, lies with her. Um, so we say this is not considered adultery. Um, right? They will not die because since it's Shifcha, she cannot be fully married to someone else. Um, now the Pasuk, the pasuk adds in, um, she, was not, she has not been ransomed. Um, or given her freedom. So ransom, that sounds like with money, or that sounds like with a get. So it mentions the, she, nothing happened to her. She, not, she was not freed. Since she's not a free woman, she can't be fully married. But then the pasuk, from that, if you just had that alone, it would actually sound like there are two ways for her to get her her, her 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 freedom, but then the pasuk ends kilo pasha because she was not free, and so that's what he's going to the Bishimon is going to focus on. Or ah kol parasha kula lelo hu pasha lo madrecha shtar gomer ba ve'en a kesef gomer ba. The only thing that keeps her as a slave for the for her prohibited status, um, in this case, she cannot marry because once as long as she's an ama, she cannot remarry, and that gets her off the death penalty should she commit adultery. And so it says, why does she remain in that status? Because she was not freed, and Abishim understands that to mean only with a shtar, a shtar completely releases her, but money does not completely release her. Um, so even though it mentions two items before, but since the pasuk ends, and so everything is linked to that ending, uh, only mentions one type of freedom, chupasha means with a shtar, only with a shtar. So we see that Rabbi Shimon disagrees with Rabbi. Rabbi says, as long as the owner does something active monetarily, she, he, the slave can be released with money or a get, but Rabbi Shimon says not with money. He can get his monetary freedom, but to remarry, he can only remarry with a get. The rest of the sugya will be uh, analyzing who is the halacha like. Does it follow the bishimon or not? Wide-ranging uh, dispute here. Amar Rami Bar Hama, Amar Rav Nachman, halacha kerebishimon. Rav Nachman, we're going to analyze him a lot. He says halacha is like kerebishimon. But Rav Yosef Bar Hama, Amar Rav Yochanan, and halacha kerebishimon. Okay, Rav Yochanan says not. 
אשכחי רב נחמן ביצחק לדבר בעל שאלתה, דהבה קיה פיתחה דבית תפילה. אמר להלכה או אין הלכה. רב נחמן ביצחק, סוהר רבה בעל שאילתה, he was standing at the entrance to the house of prayer, um, and he said, what, what is the, is it הלכה like רבי שמעון, or not הלכה like רבי שמעון? Right, this is only one more difference between them, but it makes the difference between um, uh, yes or no. אמר לה, אני אומר אין הלכה. says, I personally think that, I think the הלכה is not like רבי שמעון, but, ברבנן, דעתו במחוז אמרי, אמר רבי זרע, משמד רב נחמן, הלכה, but with the rabbis that came from מחוזה, they say that, they quote, they quote רבי זרע, saying in the name of רב נחמן, the הלכה is like רבי שמעון. And so there seems to be some, there's a lot of different opinions about, uh, about what the halakha is and about what Ibn Nachman says. But now we have uh, two statements of Ibn Nachman up here, in the name of Ibn Barchama and Ibn Zera, uh, both um, uh, are quoting Rab Nachman saying the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon and only get not kesef. But then he continues explaining um, that when he came to Sura, he found Rabbi Chiyabarabin. And he says, Listen, can you tell me exactly the details in Sura? Uh, what, what exactly did, happened with Rav Nachman? I want all the details of the case because I really want to clarify. What his position was. Here's the story where Rav Nachman ruled in this case. Um, this is the this is the actual story. So again, here, like remember before last time, uh, we saw it was a miklala from a generality from a story, or do you hear it uh, 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 explicitly that he said halacha is like Rabbi Shimon? So here we learn actually there was in fact a story behind it and it, and what Rav Nachman holds is dependent on the interpretation of what happened in the story. So the story is that there was an Amma, a Shivcha Kananit, owned by this Jew, but he was on his deathbed. And then she comes, uh, she comes to him while he's on his deathbed and she says, how long will this woman, meaning herself, go ahead continue to be a slave? You're dying. I served you. Now what? I'm going to be inherited by your children? Enough. I would like my freedom. Right? So she's begging him, please free me. So the guy on the deathbed, So the guy on the deathbed took his hat, threw it to her. He said, take the hat and acquire yourself and be free in that, with that. He's doing a Kenyan Khalipin, um, so you do it with a handkerchief, you could do it with anything, and so you'll acquire your freedom by acquiring this hat. So they, they came and told Rav Nachman this story, and Rav Nachman said, it doesn't work, not effective. Him throwing the hat to her does not make her free. Now, why not? So whoever was there, figured that Rav Nachman's reasoning was because he says halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. And therefore, at most, she can acquire her monetary freedom, but he didn't give her a get. Get shichrur, and therefore she is not yet a free woman. She cannot go go uh, go ahead and get married um, because um, this is halacha Rabbi Shimon, and that's why they quoted uh, they quoted Rav Nachman saying halacha Rabbi Shimon. But it's not necessarily so. Actually, the reason why Rav Nachman said that she is not free is not because he follows Rabbi Shimon. Really, you could have done it by kesef. The problem is they did it. 
the wrong way. Kinyan Chalipin is a machloket. Um, uh, but who, who gives the item, the handkerchief, to whom? Which way does it go? And, uh, he, and Rav Nachman says, Halacha is that the one acquiring something has the one that has to give the handkerchief. She wants to acquire her freedom. She has to give something, uh, she has to give something to the master. And in this case, it was the other way around. The master gave her hat, his hat to her. That's why it didn't work, because you need, uh, because there it was kelav shel makne, but you need kelav shel kone. That's why it didn't work, but actually has nothing to do with halacha being like Rabbi Shimon. And so you see, this was a mikilala, um, but it was not an explicit statement of Rav Nachman. Amar Rav Shemuel bar Achitai, Amar Rav Hamnuna Saba, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak bar Ashyan, Amar Rav Huna, Amar Rav Hamnuna, Halacha Rabbi Shimon. And now we have a long tradition. We have a long tradition like this. It sounds like it makes it uh, very authoritative. Halacha is in fact like Rabbi Shimon. But then a later layer of the Gemara, someone adds on, Velohi and Halacha Kerebi Shimon. No, Halacha is actually not like Rabbi Shimon. So we see even within this uh, uh, Gemara, the Halacha from stage to stage, from generation to generation, uh, keeps going back and forth. So this was a continuous machloket, whether we follow Rabbi Shimon or not. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.